You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Slavani, Director of Training and Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center, Madison, New Jersey, and your host... This week, we're going to be talking, this is actually part two of getting reliable behaviors. If you go back to, if you missed the first part, part one, obviously, that's training session number 15. So you probably want to start and listen to that one first so you can pick up on this one. And again, a little bit about what we're talking about is we need to get reliability with our behaviors. And I talked in uh, training session number 15, I talked about competing motivations, if you'll recall, and making sure that we understand that there are two stages of learning, the acquisition stage, the maintenance stage, how we get behaviors. And now what I'm doing is I'm going to continue on with getting the reliable behavior. But before we get started, let's take a short break to hear from our sponsors and get ready. Make sure you have paper and pen on hand so you can take some notes. Don't go away. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Slavani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. Teacherspetsessions.com. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand. 
only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back. This is Pia Silvani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. Thanks for joining us. As I went over, today we're going to take the second part of getting reliable behaviors, and that is lore reward training. And this is what we've been doing in previous sessions. So basically what we do when we try to get behaviors through luring and rewarding, we take the reward, which is typically a treat. You can also call that a prompt. And it's used to lure the dog to elicit a particular behavior. So the dog is manipulated into performing the behavior. So, for example, let's just take down. What we do is we hold the treat in front of the dog's nose. You pull the treat toward the floor as the dog tracks it. Once the elbows are on the ground, you mark it with a yes or a click, and then you reward. Then you add the cue only after the dog is quickly following the lure and just prior to you luring. So that's probably the most common way to get behaviors in the quickest and easiest way. Another way to get behaviors is what we call target training. And this means that the dog is taught to touch a particular target object. So the object now is the prompt and it can be moved so the dog is manipulated to perform different types of behaviors. And these can be used, for example, many, many different ways. One way to do this, if you recall, when we were working on jumping the exercise, if you want to go back to, again, the previous sessions when I talked about getting your dog not to jump to greet, we had the dog target your hand and we put a cue on, say hi, so your dog would touch his nose to the hand and target that versus jumping up. You can also, if you're going to do hand targeting, this is how we taught our heel also, having the dog target the hand so you can move the dog or manipulate the dog. You can do fun things with this too. In agility, what we do is we have the dog target maybe a little uh, round cap of some sort so he hits the contact at the bottom. Some people, what they do is they use post-its and they have the dog target and they teach the dog to close doors. That just is a fun trick and then you have to fade that out gradually. So that's one way that you can get a dog to target a particular behavior. I also, when we taught go to bed or go to place, we did some target training there. What it was, we taught the dog to run to the bed. That was the targeted object in order to get the reward. So you have to touch that targeted object, whatever that might be, in order to get the reward. Now, the next is what we call prompting and fading. So what you do here is you elicit a behavior. You make sure the dog performs it exactly as you prompted him to do it. And your body can be part of that. So it can be done with physical manipulation, environmental encouragement. You can use some lure. You can use some targeting. So remember, there's not one way to get a behavior. You can blend them also. 
So you can take a little bit of luring with a little bit of targeting or a little bit of physical manipulation. Years ago, when I first started training, how we used to teach a sit, for example, and this is prior to using food, what we did was we just held the dog's collar and we pushed his butt down as we said sit. Not a very pleasant way to do it, but it did work. But we had to eventually fade out the pushing. So that's the fading part of it, because otherwise the dog is never going to learn to sit unless you push on his rump. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't physically encourage the dog to do it, but maybe say say every time you use your lure method and your dog's rear end pops up, what you can do is just hold your hand on the dog's rear end so he can't pop up. Okay, so that's one way to use a prompt that would be your hand and then you need to fade that out. Now, the last way is what we call shaping by successive approximations. And what you might want to do for the future sessions, what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit of clicker training. So you'd like to go online and just Google the word clicker and see what you can find online. Clicker, maybe dog training tool, and you can get a clicker. And we can, this will be some fun. We can do some tricks with this. But when you're shaping, what you do is you reinforce small incremental steps to the final behavior. So a common way to do this is if we teach the dog to retrieve. So what we do, we do this, for example, we want to get the dog excited about the retrieve object. So if that's a ball, that could be a Frisbee, you want that dog to think that every time you pull that object out, you're excited about it, you're thrilled about it, but never give it to him. So he's going to be curious because why do dogs always seem, and I hear this all the time, he only takes things that he knows he's not supposed to have. Well, how does he know he's not supposed to have it? Why? Because you want it just as bad as he wants it. Maybe he didn't really want it that badly. But if you want it that badly, then it must be of high value. So take that same concept now and apply it to retrieve. Look what I have. I have this Frisbee and you can't have it. Ha ha. I've got this ball and I'm having fun with it. I'm playing with it and you can't have it. Put it away. So eventually the dog gets excited when it comes out. And then what you do is now you're going to start to reward incremental steps. So the dog looks at the ball. You say yes and you reward him. Maybe the dog looks at the ball and stares at him. Then you reward him. Maybe now you start to move the ball and the dog starts moving towards the ball and then you reward it. Maybe he lowers his head to the ball. Maybe he sniffs the ball, mouths the ball, chases it, picks it up. So you see how we're slowly, incrementally teaching the dog that the more you do with this object to get to that final behavior, which is to retrieve or to fetch, once he's got all of that down, the dog chases the ball, he picks it up, and he returns to you and gives it up. That's your final behavior. But we're going to reward all those little incremental steps in between. So shaping's not easy, but teaching retrieve is not easy either. All right, so let's go to number two. So number one was we got the behavior. Number two, you need to mark it and reward it. So what markers are... Markers are signals to the dog that what he just did was correct. Carolyn Barney and Karen Pryor have talked about clicker training. It's just another technique that you can use. What we've been doing here in our sessions, we've been using the word yes as our marker. So whatever you choose, that's fine. Just make sure you're consistent with that. Number three, you want to get reliability. 
you want to aim for at least 80% proficiency before you move to the next step. Once you're about at 80% proficiency, then you can add the cue. So that's step number four. So when you add the cue, you add the cue just prior to the dog performing the behavior to get the behavior under what we call stimulus control. So what I mean by that is the dog is not going to be rewarded if he performs behaviors without being asked. That's how you get it under stimulus control. So let's say, for example, we're up to 99% sure that the dog is going to do the behavior and you add that cue and he performs the behavior when told. And then that brings about a reward. So you say down, dog downs, you give that reward. And you say down, dog downs, you give that reward. You say down, dog downs, you give the reward. And all of a sudden the dog goes down. Okay, so I'm not going to reward. I want to make sure that the dog is going down if I want it under stimulus control only when I ask for it. Now that doesn't mean, however, that you can't reinforce behaviors when the dog offers them. So for example, you're eating dinner and the dog lies down. I'm obviously going to say good boy for that. But at that particular time and in that instance, I'm not so concerned about getting it under stimulus control where he does it when I tell him to. So you want to keep the dog on what we call a continuous reinforcement schedule, meaning when he's learning the behavior, you want to give him lots and lots and lots of rewards for doing it correctly in the beginning, just during the acquisition stage. Once we're past the acquisition stage and we go to the maintenance stage, which I talked about in training session number 15, that's when you're going to go to random reinforcement and start to fade out your rewards. So if the dog is reliably performing the correct behavior, the behavior then is under good stimulus control. So the signal or the cue to control the behavior is what we call the antecedent. That's your A as part of the beginning. So A equals B, the behavior, equals C, the consequence. Now, it also must be able to discriminate between other behaviors and cues, and these are hard. So in order for you to get reliability, what you're going to do is, as you're teaching something and the dog is really doing well with it and you've got it under stimulus control, again, meaning that the dog reliably performs 99% of the time, remember they're not going to perform perfectly each and every time, now you kind of want to throw in some of those old cues that are reliable into that same little training session so the dog begins to discriminate between the cues. So what I mean by that is let's say that you are working on down and you want to see if the dog has a reliable down on cue. So I say the dog's name, say Lance down, he does it, yes, and I give him a treat. I say Lance down, yes, he does it, I give him a treat or reward or something of some kind. And then I throw in Lance sit and he lies down because he just got two rewards for down and he just learned down. Now I don't have it under stimulus control because was he listening? Yes, but it's difficult for them to discriminate. Very difficult. They've got to really concentrate. So if I say down and he sits, I just don't give him the reward. And I start all over again. 
I don't go back down and say, down, no, no, that's wrong. Down, down, lie down. Okay, and then give him a reward. He did it wrong the first time. So I might go back then, throw in another down, see what he does. If he goes down, I reward him. Then I tell him, sit. If he sits, yes, excellent boy. Now you want to throw them in. So good example of what I do with Gwynny when I'm doing agility. I have directional turns. If I say spin, I want her to turn her body to the right. If I say twirl, I want her to turn her body to the left. Now, I can't always say spin, twirl, spin, twirl, spin, twirl, because she'll pick up on that pattern. I always spin first, and then she's going to tell me to twirl next, so I might as well go into the twirl. So in that kind of instance, what I'm going to have to do is sometimes I start off with a twirl. Sometimes I might do three twirls and never say spin. Sometimes I might do two twirls and one spin. Maybe two spins, one twirl. Maybe I just do spins. So you see how you want to vary it. And if the dog just starts offering things, and that's the great thing about positive reinforcement training, the dog is having so much fun. It's like, come on, let's work, let's work, let's do stuff. Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? That's the fun part. But if they start to offer the behaviors really quickly, tell them, wait, calm them down a little bit, and then say it very clearly. Now, make sure, though, if you want to get reliability with just your verbal cue, okay, try not to add in a bunch of hand signals and move your body around because all of that is part of the package. So is the dog doing it because you said it or is the dog doing it because you said it and maybe you took a little step to the right or maybe you gave a little hand signal to help the dog out? If he's just learning, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. But if you're really trying to get him to the point where you want him to do it on cue reliably and not confuse it with other behaviors, you have to make sure that each individual behavior is reliable. So the little test. So basically, if you think about it, if you do X, Y happens. If you sit, you get a reward. If you bark, you get nothing. So be careful that the dog is not offering you different behaviors mixed in with the other behaviors. And I had a student one time, and his dog was really doing nice on distance downs. He was lying down from afar. Except the dog was getting real excited about it. So he would lie down and bark. And the gentleman would say yes and then reward the dog because he went down. And then he would tell the dog down, and the dog would down and bark. And he would say, yes, and he barked. But now what did he have? He had a barking down. So what we had to do was every time he said down and the dog barked, he was not rewarded. If he went down and he didn't bark, he got his reward. So you have to be really, really careful. Hey, don't make sure the dog, and we talked about this with jumping. If you go back, the dog jumps and then sits and you reward him. Well, now he's going to jump before he sits to get his reward. So if you want the dog to stop jumping, you want that sit first. You don't want a dog that jumps up because he's excited and then sits. Sorry, that's not what I'm looking for. All right, we're going to do the last part of this is to generalize the behavior when we come back. So we're going to just take a short break to hear from our sponsors, and we will be right back. Don't go away. 
Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. What do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. <gasps> on your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do. And get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, teacher's pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Hi, welcome back. This is Pia, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. Number six is to generalize the behavior now. So what you want to do is train the dog in different environments so the dog learns to generalize. The dog must be able to perform behaviors regardless of where you are and what's going on around him. This is to get reliability. If you don't care so much if the dog is very reliable, then you know what? You don't even have to go on to this number six step. But I always tell my clients, if you want reliability and you want that dog to listen to you 
anywhere, anytime, under any circumstance, you've got to get the dog out and about and train the dog or at least have him perform the behaviors in all aspects. So when the dog is first learning to generalize, you want to try to avoid distractions. Okay, so you might go out to new places and say you're just working on your basic sits, down, stays, waits. Try at this point to get reliability, make the distractions very, very light, and gradually add those distractions in there. So maybe you add distractions in in several ways. Maybe you just move closer to the distraction. Maybe the distraction could be multiple distractions. So, for example, if your dog has a difficult time sitting around dogs, I might start off with a dog at a distance and then tell the dog to sit. And then I'm going to ease my way closer and closer and closer till my dog can sit next to another dog. Then what I might do is I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to go to the outside of a dog park and see if I can get my dog to sit when other dogs are playing. Now, I'm not going to start off with 35 dogs playing. My dog is probably not going to sit. So you might want to start off and go at a quiet time when there are not a lot of dogs there to see if your dog will sit. Okay, If he doesn't, back away. Give some distance. Try to find a spot where your dog is reliable and then reward it. So this way you never have to say, but he does it at home. Think to yourself, if you're saying that, or buddy, you know this, you know better. Again, he doesn't know it every time, everywhere. So this is my sit test. So make sure you've got your pen and paper out. This will let you know if you really have a good, good, reliable sit. So first, and if you have your dog with you, that's fine. You can try this at this time. If not, write them down and see how you make out. So stand up straight. What you're going to do is you're going to say your dog's, you're going to face your dog, say your dog's name, sit. Don't give any kind of a signal. Don't have a treat visible, nothing. You're just going to stand completely straight up, say your dog's name, sit. If your dog sits, tell him yes and reward. Now you've got a reliable sit with you facing the dog. Next, sit in a chair. Again, sit in a chair relaxed. Again, no food, no hand signal. Say your dog's name, sit. If your dog sits, come yes and reward. You've got two out of two. Number three, go lie on the sofa. So you're lying down on the sofa. Your dog's near you. Say your dog's name, sit. Is he standing there looking at you? Is he licking you in the face? Does he sit? If he does, you better reward it. Mark it and reward it. Or does he go down? Don't reward it. If he goes down, you didn't tell him down. You told him sit. Number four. Okay, stand up, jump up and down, tell him to sit. Does your dog jump on you because you're jumping up and down? That's not what you asked him to do. You told him to sit. You didn't ask him to jump up and down. So it doesn't matter what you're doing or what's around him. Number five, bounce a ball or take a squeaky toy and tell your dog to sit. So as you're bouncing the ball or as you're squeaking the toy, tell the dog to sit. Does he jump up to try to grab the ball, grab the squeaky toy? That's not what you asked him to do. You asked him to sit. So if he does and he wants it, if he sits, yes, toss him the ball. Now, go bring him outside when it's raining. Tell him to sit. If he turns and looks at the grass and said, are you nuts? This grass is wet. Well, what part of that is not part of sit? 
Sit means sit anywhere, anytime, regardless of what's going on around. So I would wait him out, make sure he sits, and reinforce it. So what I do is I have my dogs always, if you want to start off, wet grass, move to a puddle. My dogs sit in the brook. My dogs will also sit in the lake. If they're swimming, I make them sit right in the lake. Maybe make them sit as a wave comes by. Obviously not a strong one. Oh, let's get two more in there and see how you do. Put the dog in the car and tell him to sit. Okay, what does he do? Stand there when your hatchback is open? If he does really well with that, close the hatchback. Tell him to sit from outside the car. Go sit in the driver's seat. Tell him to sit. Okay, will he only sit if you turn and face him? Does he only sit when you're standing up? Okay, so make sure that you've got different things going on around the dog. He's sitting on different surfaces and your body posture is different. So, for example, if I want my dog, say I'm I'm lying in bed, I'm reading a book and my dog says, oh, isn't it time to get up yet, Pia? No, it's not time to get up yet. I want to finish this chapter. Go lay down. Okay, and the dog looks at me. Okay, is he being stubborn? Probably not. I mean, does he really have to go out to the bathroom? Maybe, but you should know your dog's body language by now. Or maybe he just says, no, it's time for me to get up. I really want to get up. I don't want you reading that book. Oh, well, I'm going to finish my chapter. Go lay down. Or do I have to stand up, tell the dog down, and then get back into bed to finish the chapter? So you can see how convenient it is. Now, for example, with my dogs, they ride in crates in the car. And if they stand up, I can't see out the back window. So it's dogs lie down and they lie down as I'm driving. So they need to get used to that too. Now, lastly, once the behavior is learned, you have to switch to what we call random reinforcement or intermittent schedule of reinforcement. So the dog will respond with more enthusiasm and with more reps. So people say, well, how do you know when to do this and how do you do it? Well, it depends on the behavior and it also depends on what your goals are. I always say for simple behavior, sit to me is simple. You probably taught your dog that the second you got him. The first day you brought him home, you said sit. You can move a lot quicker to random reinforcement with these simple behaviors. When you have a complex behavior, however, that could be your recall, you know, coming off of something. You may need to stay on that continuous reinforcement schedule for a little bit longer because it's not that easy. Okay, so decide, do I really like it? Was it fabulous? Is it hard for the dog? Was I impressed that the dog even did it? So I might reward then. Was it slow? Was it sloppy? Is that not what it was supposed to look like? Well, don't reward it then. So you want to evaluate again, evaluate everything. Is the dog only sitting because you have your tree pouch on? Is the dog only sitting when you give a hand signal along with your verbal cue. So you need to make sure you are aware of everything that's in the environment at that particular time too. Because maybe it's not so much the verbal cue, but maybe the dog says, oh, good example. Dogs always sit in front of the cookie jar okay? because that's part of it. Now remove the cookie jar and see if he'll sit in that same spot without the presence of a cookie jar. If he doesn't, you don't have a reliable behavior. So you're going to have to work on that. So what I might do then is hide the cookie jar 
have him sit where the cookie jar is. And if he does, you can do what I call bridging. Tell him yes and run to that cookie jar. So he's like, okay, I'm starting to get it now. If I comply, I might get a reward and it can be from anywhere. So if I call my dogs and they're outside, they're relieving themselves. And I say, dogs in, that means finish what you're doing, come running in. And you might get a reward. So typically they run to the refrigerator and I might give them a carrot, a baby carrot each. Maybe not every time. If somebody was slow, they don't get it. So first one in gets it first. So if somebody's slow, say out of the three of them, one has decided that he wants to sniff a little bit longer, competing motivation, I'm not going to give you a carrot. Yeah, you eventually came in. However, it wasn't fast enough for me. So don't feel guilty. Just because you're rewarding one doesn't mean you have to reward all. Reward what you like. So to end, some basic principles to remember. First, the dog must be motivated to learn. So be aware of competing motivations and be aware of the dog's emotional state. Secondly, break your teaching steps down into small incremental steps so the dog is successful. Think about it yourself. If you feel successful all the time, you're going to be motivated to continue on. Let's go back to skiing again. If you kept falling and then you broke a bone and then you went back to it again and you kept falling, you might not want to continue skiing. It's not fun anymore. Third, don't overload the dog. If you're moving too quickly, the dog is going to be frustrated. Fourth, if the dog fails, don't assume that he knows the behavior and he's disobeying. We all make mistakes. It's part of learning. So remember, dogs will make mistakes. Next, expect that the dog's behavior is going to fluctuate. Learning is not all or none. It will fluctuate. And lastly, end each training session okay, with success so the dog is highly eager to train with you, his best friend. So I hope that gives you a little bit of help on how to get reliable behaviors. And unfortunately, we're out of time. What we're going to do is, again, if you can go online and pick up a clicker for our next training session, I think we'll do some fun. We're going to do a couple of tricks that I think you'll enjoy. So again, don't forget to check back with us each week for special guest interviews and more training sessions. And as always, I'd like to give a special thanks to our producers for making this great show happen. I hope you're enjoying it. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, and I think someone wanted me to talk about working with multiple dogs at home, which I will do, please email me at pia at petliferadio.com. So until next time, this is Pia signing off. Thanks for your interest in Pet Life Radio. Have a great week. Take care. Bye-bye. School's in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.